Welcome to the 31 Days of Dread. This is where we profile one horror movie a day for the entire month of October. And today we're talking Vampire in Brooklyn, Eddie Murphy, Angela Bassett, directed by the great Wes Craven. This movie is a, is what I consider a loaded movie, just like Beetlejuice. Does it have the quality of Beetlejuice? Well, guess what? You're going to have to stick around to find out. Alright everyone, before we get into something spooky, let me tell you something. Trial by Fire is my comic book available right now on Indiegogo. Link in the description and I will see you on the printed page. Rocking and rolling through that intro. Hey, thanks for sticking with me. So this movie, the, so much like the, the next movie too. Day, uh, let me preview day 22 already. Day 22 is going to be Lake Placid because we're doing a crocodile creature feature. Uh, crocodile, uh, the <laughs> the monster, the creature, the the real life entity uh, lends itself so well to, to horror. We got two uh, fantastic movies coming up for that. Lake Placid, Beetlejuice, Vampire in Brooklyn. These are studio-driven movies. These movies are either like uh, you know like somewhat market tested going into production uh you know a lot of times these scripts are insider scripts like people that are already like in the game they have the you know they're they're already networked they're embedded that sort of thing i i, I didn't research too much of that like how this movie got made but you know like you kind of assume things along the way so uh, this movie uh, it, it, like it's it, like the quality. Okay, if you go through the reviews online, no one liked this movie. <laughs> if you go by like the the Ryan Tomatoes ratings, uh, like all of these things, no one liked this movie. But if you drill into um, where this movie was in Eddie Murphy's career, where this movie was in Wes Craven's career. Wes Craven is the, the guy that brought us Nightmare on Elm Street. Thank you very much. Yeah, and even our director of cinematography, Mark Irwin. This is what I mean about the, like this movie being stacked. Uh, even Angela Bassett. Uh, this might be the, the absolute best Angela Bassett has ever been shot. Which, you know, made me look up the cinematographer because he loved lighting Angela Bassett in this movie. I think it is a little inspiring because, you know, like, <laughs> maybe he was smitten. I don't know. But, oh my, like, it's the age-old idea of having a subject and worshipping your, your subject as an artist. We have to go into exactly where this 1995 movie lies in the career of Eddie Murphy, because I was like under the impression that Eddie Murphy kind of faded away for a little, and then like had he he had to have a comeback, you know, like he had to become Eddie Murphy again. But when I go through his filmography, what I see is like three three phases. It's like the the Saturday Night Live Eddie Murphy, so that's like Beverly Hills Cop. And then that the SNL Murphy, or like you know, we'll call it like the, the stand up comedian Murphy. That 
parlays, you know, that, that flows into almost like a black exploitation Murphy. And then that goes right into like the family movie, Eddie Murphy, where he comfortably just crawled up and, and eventually died. Because <laughs> you, you can only make so many uh, family-friendly comedies before the uh, the Grim Reaper comes knocking on your door. Uh, Adam Sandler got in and got out. <laughs> and, and he sprinkles them in like along the way. Pretty fantastic. Uh, Adam Sandler has figured out a formula for mainstream com like comedians that no one's even close to, to crack. And I, I thought Jim Carrey was going to take it all over. Uh, Eddie Murphy, everyone, but you know, he even cracked when he tried to go family. So it's, it's interesting, but no, Eddie Murphy, it's like SNL era, 48 hours trading places, Beverly Hills cop, the golden child, Beverly Hills cop Two. Eddie Murphy's role. We have to honor the, you know, the theatrical release of Raw coming to America. And then we get into the black exploitation era coming to America, boomerang vampire in Brooklyn. And then the next year after vampire in Brooklyn, he's making the nutty professor Metro. He's, he's voicing Mushu in Mulan. He's Dr. Doolittle and then Oscar bait with life and Bowfinger. So like, like you kind of see this arc, you see this idea of a career and you know, he, he made the, the Dolmite is my name. Got a lot of award attention again for, for that movie in this, this past season. So, and then we get into Wes Craven. We have to talk about Wes Craven because I, I, I didn't know where this movie lied in his career. So for Wes Craven, 1972, it's The Last House on the Left. It left a movie that will be remade until the end of time. There will always be updates on the concept and the type of horror from The Last House on the Left. We have 1977, The Hills Have Eyes. <laughs> and then we have 1982, Swamp Thing. At the, like, there was a time where I would always put Swamp Thing as one of the best comic book movies ever because I just, I feel like it's, it's very true to this, um, like, you know, like boggy creepiness of what, like, the comic. You know, like, it, it, it should be odd and off-centered. And that movie pretty much nails it, especially with the creature design. Then in 1984, we had the movie, Nightmare on Elm Street, bang, okay? Then at that point, okay, we have like the serpent and the rainbow, Shocker, the people under the stairs. Those are three movies. I mean, Shocker is schlock, but those are those are three movies that he made in the late, uh, you know, late eighties into the early nineties that really they're they're enjoyable. They're good. Uh, they're creepy. You know, the, the serpent and the rainbow. The people under the stairs, those movies are just unsettling. And then we have Wes Craven's New Nightmare, 1994. So he's coming back to the franchise. He's trying to bring Freddy back. Like, literally, too. Like, it's within the story. New Nightmare is one of the most underrated, like, of all the Freddy movies. It's the most underrated one. It's it's maybe the... You know, look, you, you, can, you can like the other ones for... 
um, you know, like for B movie guilty pleasure type reasons, New Nightmare is the second best Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Um, you know, come at me, bro. Then in '95 we have Vampire in Brooklyn, which you know kind of flatlines it. It's you know it's got Eddie Murphy doesn't kill it at the box office. Comes out even during Halloween is a failure, and then. What is he though? 1996, he comes back with Scream. So we have Scream 1, Scream 2, uh, Oscar bait, Music of the Heart. <laughs> That's a good movie. Scream 3. And here we go, ready? He does he does his own little um like trilogy. He 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 does like an outside of Scream trilogy. He does Cursed, Red Eye, and then he's involved with this movie called Pulse. Now he's he's the writer for Pulse. Those three movies between 05 and 06, they're legit solid movies. Curse is schlock fun, like very much like Shocker. It, it's self-aware, but it is like a screen version of the werewolf mythos. And then look, look he his final movie is Scream 4 2011. Now, he, he does this other movie in 2010 called My Soul to Take. Uh, not not hundred percent familiar with that. So that's that's our director for this movie. Like how when you see this, when you see this project line up as a executive producer, as even like a studio head, you get excited. You you lock in the Halloween release date, uh, and you look at the script, and the script is just like very basic. It's like you know, again, Eddie Murphy looking for his like reincarnated love ends up in Brooklyn and then he you know it's Angela Bassett and he's got to woo her and then along the way her her because she's a police officer or a detective but you know like people have to stop stop what's happening and her friends start dying and, and all of these things and you look at the script and you're like well fine I don't care we have Eddie Murphy we have Wes Craven like let's let's go people like you expect some of it to come out through the production, meaning like the the nuances and what's going to make this movie different. You know that's not always a guarantee, and there's always reasons around it. Sometimes it is what it is, meaning we got the best people we could, we got the movie done on time, uh, we 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 got Mark Irwin to light the freaking movie. Uh, who is a, a legend of his own right, what else do we need to do? And this is where it's enlightening sometimes when you drill into who makes these movies because th- this movie has it has performances, it has heart, uh, you know, like some of the comedy works, but, you know, like it's it's not enough horror and it's also not enough comedy. It's in that weird zone, and it and it feels like a '90s studio-made movie. And by studio-made movie, I mean that the movie literally is in a warehouse the entire time you're watching it. It's it's within a studio. But it's like I always, um, you know, like focus on like screams shot that way. But I always like it's always nice seeing like the indoor um, darkness you know, within 90s movies because you had to shoot it indoors. You had to light, light, like you have to light night a certain way. You can't just shoot in the dark. 
now you can now with you know digital technology digital like um like everything like the microchip has changed photography forever but i'd like i kind of like these movies during this time just off of the look i think it has uh there there's a um you know like a a portrait as uh, aspect to it but let, let's just go through mark Irwin. if you're into david cronenberg i mean he's he's he was with cronenberg since the brood but we have videodrome we have dead zone uh young blood the the rob Lowe hockey movie and fantastic the fly the remake of of the blob okay it, this guy is in he he's in the game okay and he is beyond skilled and beyond talented so and then like what happens what it's we we have an unbalanced movie with some of the the brightest minds in the industry of the time why does it turn out to be uneven i don't know it's this is part of the um the obsession when you watch movies on this level which is Movies you don't expect have so much nuance that you you forego the mistakes like Blackula. And then movies that you expect more just based on the credits don't and you you hold them to a different standard. Like it, it's it's kind it's funny. It's funny how your brain works that way. It, like is this movie a full I wouldn't even say this movie's a full recommendation. Um you know it's 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 not a good it's not good on like any level meaning it doesn't add like if it added to the vampire mythos you know like i would have been like yes but the movie has this opening narration they kind of explain that he's coming from an island in the bermuda triangle <laughs> they fed on like sailors and, and refugees and and like that was it and then he he ends up on the boat ends up in, in brooklyn after murdering the entire crew which is uh, yeah, <laughs> the movie does have a good scene though. Like the opening scene of this movie is like Speed Two, where the um, you know, the cruise liner just hammers into the uh that dock and just destroys everything. Uh, so I don't know, like everyone. Um, you know what? What's his What's his name? Uh, who plays Jules? Yeah, Kadeem Hardison. He's the guy that plays Jules, and he be he's like the ghoul, like he's the servant of of uh, Eddie Murphy in this. Uh, Maximilian. Okay, so Eddie Murphy plays Maximilian. He needs a servant. He gets Kadeem Hardison, who plays Jules. His performance in that in this movie is worth watching. It's awesome. He he's like a decaying corpse, and he has a, a lot of the sight gags, a lot of the one liners within this movie. Uh, I, yeah, I would watch it for him because I re- I think his his stuff's actually a little progressive story wise. Meaning, uh, you know, he does have nuance. He does have a spin. Uh, he is a character uh, swinging for the fences. All these things are like the movie ends with him becoming whole, becoming the new vampire in Brooklyn. Should have had a sequel, people. But everyone. 31 Days of Dread. Tomorrow we're doing Lake Placid. Uh, uh, look up the credits of Lake Placid and just start researching because that movie is beyond stacked. It blew my mind. I thought I was watching a different movie. I thought I was watching a movie called Primeval. 
that's not uh, whatever i got my movies mixed up lake placid i thought i saw it didn't see it and it blew my mind everyone until tomorrow the 31 days of dread marches on day 22 crocodile creature features rock and roll i love you and goodbye quick announcement quick announcement so this episode is dedicated to my father r.i.p tony deluca tony iron feet we love you and we miss you every single day 